The Current Thrive Podcast, episode 157. How to leverage your Etsy shop off Etsy. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the Create and Thrive podcast. Today I have an interview with you about how to leverage your Etsy shop off Etsy. How to, you know, use your Etsy shop to get you other opportunities. And my guest today is Danielle from the Merriweather Council, Danielle Spurge, who I have known for yonks and yonks. Um, when I started Create and Thrive, I actually had guest writers back in the beginning, and Danielle was one of those. So I've known her for a really long time. Uh, if you haven't checked her out before, you can do that at merryweathercouncil.com. She's the head honcho chief at the Merryweather Council, where they celebrate the reality of gainful self-employment through craft. And Danielle, very much like me, teaches makers how to turn their crafty tendencies into profits through her blog, podcast, and courses. So we have worked together in the past, and uh, I wanted to get her on the show to talk about something that she knows, and that is this, how to leverage your Etsy shop off Etsy. She's had a lot of great opportunities, much like me. She has a successful handmade business herself still, and she makes beautiful embroidery pieces. So we're going to talk about that and some of the opportunities you might be able to get and how to make them happen. But before we dive into the interview, some news for you. Have you ever wanted to get your work into shops? You know, retail shops, boutiques, selling out there in the real world. If you do want to do that, but you don't know where to start, I have a guide for you. So if you head on over to createandthrive.com and there's a banner, you click on that. It'll take you to where you can download this guide, which is called 10 Steps to Wholesale Readiness. And that gives you 10 steps to go through to figure out whether you're ready to sell wholesale. And if you are and you want the next steps on how to actually make this happen, I have good news for you. My course Wholesale Know How is running very soon. It starts September 10th and I co-teach this course with the wonderful Melanie Augustine who built a very successful wholesale jewelry business and ran that for many, many years. So we're going to be teaching that to you together and we take you through everything you need to know to get your work into shops and we also have a bonus uh, week to the course if you actually want to take the next step and do trade shows Uh, in that case that's um, an option it's an optional extra with the course so if you don't want to do that you just want to know how to get into shops um, from the comfort of your own home then that'll be great but if you want to take that extra step we have that covered as well so head on over to wholesaleknowhow.com for all of the information about that course and what it covers there's a lot of detail there about exactly what we cover in the course and what we teach you Uh, so if you want to join us for that keep an eye out for that and uh, i'll be opening registration in the not too distant future for that course So let's dive into this episode with Danielle, all about how to leverage your Etsy shop or any other shop really off of Etsy. Hey, Danielle, welcome. It's awesome to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a real honor. It's really exciting because we've known each other online for 
a long time you actually used to write for Create and Thrive when I started and that was what that was like five or six years ago so yeah it's great to finally chat with you and uh, share your knowledge with my audience even more which is great yes thank you so much so I love your work and for those who aren't familiar with the Meriwether Council uh, your your actual products could you kind of give us a little rundown on that element of things and then move on to sort of the other work you do as well sure so right now the Meriwether Council encompasses both my product business and my service business and in my product business I specialize in custom hand embroidery with an emphasis on stitch text and letter forms So I do lots of cursive writing. (laughs) Everything is handwritten, (laughs) hand-drawn, whichever you want to call it. Um, And I also work with, you know, obviously fabric, threads, and I like to incorporate some vintage imagery sometimes as well. And that's what I do in my product business. And then in my service business, I am sort of a support person for other makers in business, similar to what you do. Um just to help more people create a business doing what they love, using their hands, making their craft, and supporting them in that because that's been such a rewarding experience for me and just want to kind of pass it on a little bit to other people. So that's where things are at right now. Awesome. I love that. Obviously, I'm, you know, we're kind of on the same path helping people because we created a, a craft business that worked for us and we want to see other people find that success as well and find the joy in in living that lifestyle yeah for sure and I think it just makes my life better when more people are familiar with and consuming and supporting independent artists so Mm -hmm. it's really a little bit selfish as well (laughs) because I want there to be more people out there making amazing things too so it's yeah, a win-win. It is a win-win. And it's. I think since we both started many years ago, it's been great to see the kind of explosion of awareness of things like Etsy and of Handmade. And it's. I think it's pretty much become part of the mainstream in a lot of ways. Maybe not for everybody, but for a lot of people, they're way more familiar with it and more willing to like buy Handmade or more desire more to buy Handmade than they used to. Yeah, I think so too. Lots, lots has changed since I started this whole thing eight years ago. So, <laughs> and we're yeah, talking amazing. To, yeah, we're talking today as well about um, basically big media and, um, well, maybe not all big media, big and small media, and how you can actually leverage your online presence in your Etsy shop to get featured in those places because they are looking. You know, they're always looking for fresh content. They're always looking for interesting stories. And I think a lot of yes. makers really struggle with how to get their themselves in front of those people. Uh, would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, I mean, you know how it is when you see other people, like, doing amazing things, having amazing collaborations, and you're like, how are they doing that? Mm. And sometimes it's, you know, people just got lucky. But I think... A lot of times, we what we think is lucky is really just people were prepared ahead of time and doing the right things for a long time, and they paid off. So I've seen this happen a lot with various people at various levels with various products. So it's possible for, <laughs> for just about anybody, I think, to 
have exposure and that exposure turns into something amazing. Awesome. So let's start with your own story about how this worked for you and then we'll move on to kind of giving people general tips. So how how sure. did this happen for you that you got, you know, you've been on like the Today Show, Bed Homes and Gardens, HGTV, all sorts of big names. Um, so how did that come about? Yeah, so this is one of the things I'm like really excited to tell people about because I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, as we as we both know, I'm sure many of your listeners already know this, but there's so much unique power in Etsy and in some of these other um, platforms as well, like to a certain extent, probably even like Amazon Handmade and mm-hmm. all of these platforms um, because there's power in numbers. So we, we all know that Etsy is driving all this traffic to Etsy itself, and that's really beneficial for us as independent shop owners. But what I think people miss is that the traffic is not just buyers. And so what I had experienced in the past eight years is just various forms of this whole situation happening where my stuff is on Etsy and like, yeah, I love to sell things, you know, one at a time to various customers and that's fun. (laughs) And that's what I think a lot of people focus on is making sales. But I think people focus on that almost like to a fault because Mm -hmm. they're missing out on so many other opportunities like I've been discovered or found whatever you want to call it on Etsy for all of or like the vast majority of those big features I had um, just because my shop was not only optimized for buyers to come and see and buy but because it was optimized for these other people inside of that Etsy traffic, like mm-hmm. influencers, like you said, brands, um, even like big box stores, like people who are looking to bring in artisans to do like licensing deals or like I said, this can happen in so many different ways depending on what kind of work you do. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's exactly what you said. All of these outlets, news outlets, they need content. They need things to share. They want to share cool things. They want to share interesting things that mm-hmm. other people aren't sharing. Um, so, and Etsy is like really like a hotbed of like cool and interesting things. So it's a natural (laughs) choice for them to go there. Can I just Um, pause you for a second here? Sorry to interrupt your flow, but something really important. I'm a huge believer of being on Etsy, no matter how successful your business is or how far you are along. And this is why, because people, these influencers, these, um, you know, these big names, these media outlets and buyers they don't search Google. They go just go straight to Etsy and they search Etsy. So if you're right. not on Etsy, you're missing out. Would you agree with that? Yes. No, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I am <laughs> very passionate about that as well. I just feel like it doesn't make sense to not be there. Know, unless you have like a moral issue mm. with them for some reason. <laughs> I think it just makes sense, especially if you are more established. It's almost even easier. Like it almost makes even less sense. To not be there if you're more established. <laughs> so, because it, it's not just the buyers. There's, yeah. It's easy for these people who are editors, publishers, you know, scouting for the media. Um, even people who are, we've had, I've had students, um, one of my students, someone found her piece on Etsy and they bought it and it showed up in like a TV set somewhere. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> So, you know, like her thing is like on the wall or something in the TV set. That's like amazing for someone who's, you know, selling on Etsy to have their piece 
in some sitcom. Like, that's really cool. So, and things like that have really changed the game for people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one of the examples I always use is when Rory Gilmore wore that shirt. It said, like, talk nerdy to me or Mm -hmm. something. (laughs) She wore it on Gilmore Girls and it sold out for, like, you know, the next three years, like mm. people just wanted it so badly because she was wearing it on Gilmore Girls and Gilmore Girls was like the biggest show of its day and age. So, mm. you know, things like that can really change the game for a small seller. Yeah. So it's really beneficial to sort of position yourself, not just for sales, like one-to-one sales, but for other opportunities as well. And especially on Etsy, because we know that those people who can provide those opportunities to you are going there. Exactly, exactly. So what was your very first one of these opportunities that came along? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember exactly, but mm. I think it was one of the one of the magazines. It was probably like Molly Makes. I remember because Molly Makes wasn't very new at the time. Yeah. So it wasn't that big of a deal because it was so new. <laughs> but it was a big deal to me because it was a magazine. Yes. And they asked um, just for me to send like a high resolution image one that I already had in my shop Mm. they were like you don't even have to change the image or reshoot it because it's already you know as we want it yeah just send us the higher quality version of it and they they printed it in the magazine and it was amazing I was like this is the coolest thing ever (laughs) Um, you know they just found it the same way that you know a buyer would find something And that, you know, I'm not sure. I don't remember if that translated really to any, like, substantial sales or anything. But that's so cool to be able to say, you know, as a newer seller, like, featured in or seen Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, like, a really nice little confidence boost, too. And that's that's not a bad thing. No, definitely not. And things like that have happened throughout the years, big and small features, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, some of them are super lucrative and profitable and some of them are just like really awesome and fun to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the same thing's happened to me. I've been in, you know, a number of magazines and stuff, but the ones that have been the most, I guess, profitable, you might say, is I've when my um, wedding rings have been picked up by big websites, like one of my rings was mm-hmm. featured on BuzzFeed in a roundup of oh, yeah. unusual wedding mm-hmm. rings and that still sends so much traffic. Yeah. Years later yeah. to my Etsy yeah. store. And there's another site called um, yeah, A Ring to Perfection, I think it's called. And again, wedding ring feature. And if you yeah. if you end up on those things, they will just send you traffic forever. And it's a amazing thing. And I, I didn't even know. Like the only reason I yeah. knew is because I think I got all these sales suddenly of the one item. I'm like, where, what's going on? So I looked at my stats and that's when the BuzzFeed yeah. article had just been published. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Yes, I've had I've had some things on BuzzFeed before, too. And yeah, like years later, still get like traffic from that. It's crazy. Um, Those lists are very powerful. And they're they're like somewhat common, like there's millions of those BuzzFeed Mm. lists. And a lot of times they feature Etsy products or handmade products. And that's just, you know, so awesome that you don't even have to do anything (laughs) people just pick it up and publish it for you it's like amazing it is amazing but you've got to have you've got to have it sorted don't you you've got to have it looking good and be great and have wonderful photos so that they will pick you up right I think a lot of the same things that you would want to have in your shop for 
you know, appealing to a buyer translates to these things as well. And especially like those buzz, BuzzFeed things where they're really just looking for like awesome products and then like something that has a decent picture that they can share, you know, mm. on BuzzFeed. Um, and then they link to it. Like they don't, they're not, they're not needing a lot from you. But some of these bigger things, like especially these collaborations with bigger brands, like I know people do like West Elm and Pottery Barn and mm. Land of Nod or whatever it just recently got renamed to, um, you know, those those things are a little bit more lengthy. There's discussions, there's emails. And so you have to be like positioned sort of in a way that the people would be enticed to assume that you could <laughs> potentially work with them, right? Like you have to show a breadth of work and mm-hmm. there's probably things they want to look for in terms of your contact information. Like, is it readily available to them? Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, to see like different things that you've done in different ways or you really want to like use your shop almost like a portfolio mm. for those people. Um because those people are going to want more from you than like the person who's publishing a BuzzFeed list, even though both are lucrative and amazing. Yes. Something that's going to end up with like you signing a contract is probably going to deal with, <laughs> you know, a little bit more of an extensive process. But yeah, it's just a lot of the things that you would want in your shop to appeal to buyers. It's going to be the same for features and media, but like a little extra for them, like a little bit meatier. Yeah. You know, no one's going to want to feature a shop that's like half empty or mm. incomplete or, you know, they want to send traffic to something that people can feel good about. So that's all really important when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, because what they what they endorse reflects back on them. So exactly. they're only going to endorse and promote stuff. And probably goes the same with things like, I guess these days they'd probably also check out something like your Instagram feed. Um, and so yeah. see what sort of social reach you might have so that you can cross promote yeah. with them as well. I would assume so, yeah. Mm. So what are some of the extra things that you may need to have prepared or be aware of before one of these opportunities lands in your lap? Oh, my goodness. Well, obviously, depending on what it is exactly. Um, for me, the thing that I've noticed a lot is that if you need to actually send an item in the mail to someone for Mm. them to photograph or for them to put into a shoot or something like that, a lot of times the turnaround is really fast. They want it like yesterday. Yeah. So (laughs) you, you sort of want to be either have stock of things or have the materials that you might need to produce one rather quickly. Um, You know, just be prepared in terms of like, if an opportunity comes up, as often as possible, be able to turn it around for them in terms of making, shipping. You know, sometimes it's going to mean spending $60 to FedEx something somewhere. But, you know, when Martha Stewart asks, Mm -hmm. you do it. So, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, just having a little bit of a reserve in in some ways or, like, have it in the back of your mind, like, that could happen. Yeah. And you know, that's good. That's not like annoying. I mean, it might feel like, oh, I got to spend all this money to ship this overnight somewhere, but it could ultimately turn out to be the best $60 you ever spent, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, that kind of thing is, I think people don't realize, even even stuff that we know is going to happen every year, Christmas comes, it's on the same day every year. And every year people request things at the very last minute for Christmas gift guides or features or whatever. 
So yes, yes you know, do. It's, like, it's amazing <laughs> that these magazines don't like plan further ahead in a lot of cases. But then on the other side, I got an email once, like it was right after Christmas, and they wanted something for the following Christmas. Wow, that's so good. And I was almost like confused. I'm like, did I get this email late? Did it get delayed in the internet? It got somewhere like stuck <laughs> in cyberspace somewhere. But she was like, nope, we just putting, we're just working on next holiday. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> she was like, not, it's not really a rush, but we need it before like February 13th or whatever. And I'm like, goodness, that's still very far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, there's just that kind of stuff to be aware that it could be really fast, I think is important for people to know. And that doesn't make it a scam because sometimes mm. people, people are like, is this, this doesn't seem right that they need it this fast or they need it immediately. And it's like, nope, that sounds exactly right. actually. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also cause magazines, God, they plan so far ahead, like not normally a year yeah. ahead that that sounds excessive, but yeah. like three to six months is not unheard. That's pretty common. That's pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. But they always want it last minute. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, last minute for them you know they're asking you for it like a week in advance even if it's not for something it's for something that's not even going to be published till like six months later but like they still need it next yes. week or yeah. tomorrow or whatever so <laughs> yeah okay so being aware that you may need to make something and turn it around really quickly and that that's normal what else do people need to have prepared um, I would definitely have some kind of like bio prepared because that's something people always ask for almost for anything yeah. uh, that they're reaching out to you about. They always want to know like a little bit of a bio and some if if it's available to you, I would definitely want people to have a website or a domain name at least that they could pass on to this person who's publishing their work Yeah, um, because it usually looks a little better you have yourbrand.com outside of yourbrand.etsy.com and also because when you send traffic to Etsy it's you know it's a little it's a little tricky because there's no like reasonable expectation that a person's going to stay in your Etsy shop when there's literally 120 links that lead outside of your Etsy (laughs) shop on any (laughs) given page of your Etsy shop and people might not even know that they've clicked and left your shop, right? So usually when you have a lucrative opportunity like that that has come to you, it's best to maintain whatever traffic or follow-up from that comes back directly to you. So if there Mm -hmm. is the opportunity to have a domain name or an email, the most professional option is usually yourbrand.com. Um. So I think having having that ahead of time would also be really great. So you're not scrambling at the last minute because that's you know, I've definitely been there. Also a business card mm-hmm. and some sort of um, like cover sheet or like letterhead, something with your logo, having a logo yes. that you can include in the in a package if you're sending an actual package. Um, it's nice to include that just to make it look really professional because I've been in situations like this where I didn't have that stuff and I'm like scrambling at the last minute to put something together because of course they need it tomorrow and you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you want to have those things a professional business card some sort of logo yeah it's really helpful to just make the whole thing look a little better 
your packaging, obviously, if you're putting something in the mail. Um, but yeah, just like being aware of what they might ask for is huge <laughs> and yes. when they might need it by and then doing the best you can to have those things ahead of time. Yeah, another one that I know kind of stum- a lot of people stumble over is the high-res photo, um, mm-hmm. like a high-res, especially high-res magazine-ready type of photo. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't photograph on white backgrounds, so I need to be aware of that. You know, if people ask me for... Uh, my stuff mm. some and, and my photos have been published in magazines as they are because it fits with the ethos of the magazine but there's been other ones where you know they've taken the photo and they've had to do the the cut thing where they've cut the background out yeah the white <laughs> background which doesn't look right. brilliant but you know it is what it is um so having a couple of high-res photos of your best stuff in just in a folder that you can easily get to and send to yep. people rather than scrape like oh where's my camera I have to find it and like re-edit it and you know stuff like or I've deleted it completely and I don't even have an high-res <laughs> photo of that thing so you know keeping right. those high-res photos when you because obviously when you edit to upload them you're probably gonna you know make them much smaller and yeah so that's a big one that I mean I've had that issue when you know years ago same thing happened as we do learn from experience <laughs> so yeah Yeah. that's that's another important one to have you know what I would add to that too because I'm having like flashbacks now (laughs) (laughs) um I was on vacation once with my parents and we were not like totally off the beaten track but like there wasn't really like a post office or like a FedEx for like 60 miles you know it was that kind of a place and um they, I got this email and they wanted me to send them one of my pieces, of course, you know, within 24 hours or something. It had to be there by a certain date and time. And I did happen to have a few things in my bag to make one of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I didn't have, there was like one piece I was missing, all this stuff. They also wanted a photo. I was able to make it happen, but... I wish that I had planned ahead better and saved some photos to the cloud or some sort of like central location like Trello, Asana, whatever that you could like an internet based something or other Dropbox, Mm. anything like that that you can access on the go, not just to your computer. Yes. That kind of thing. (laughs) Because this can happen literally anytime. Yeah. So you want to be able, you know, I know most of us, well, Actually, I don't know. I usually travel with my computer, yeah. but this was before cloud was a thing, really. But I would definitely feel more secure leaving my computer at home if my stuff was in the cloud somewhere and I could access it from another computer. That's such a... <laughs> right? Like oh, that kind goodness. of thing is yes. save your bio, <laughs> the one you like, <laughs> save it to your Trello or whatever. <laughs> Save your bio, save your headshot. Bring your business cards everywhere. (laughs) Yes, save everything. I save everything to to Dropbox these days. Just like I know it's backed up for one thing, and you know it's it's I can access it from anywhere, and yeah, that saved me many times. Right. I mean, we were like, I was like asking people in my family, I'm like, do you have one of my business cards? I need it back. (laughs) (laughs) Please help me. Oh, that's brilliant. But it shows the dedication you have as well to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, it's like folklore in my family now. Remember that time we had to drive 50 minutes so Danielle could FedEx that thing while we were on vacation? (laughs) 
I'm like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> oh, goodness me. So um, have we missed anything? Is there anything else you think people need to kind of have organized or be aware of? I just want to encourage people to remember as they go through the day-to-day with their Etsy shop, not to only focus on those one-to-one sales because there's, you know, the smartest sellers will consider all of the lucrative and available opportunities that are out there and position themselves for all of them and open themselves up for all of them because it's, you know, something like a brand partnership where you're creating a, an exclusive line for anthropology. No, you're not going to get an Etsy sale from that, like directly right now, <laughs> but you're probably going to make a lot more in the long run. Yeah. You know, that's going to be ultimately more profitable to you, more useful to you. Um, so just like not getting so wrapped up in those day to day, like one sale at a time ideas, Mm. but opening yourself up to like these bigger concepts as like an, as a business owner, like what is good for the business? How can I expand the business? Yeah. I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting out are very focused on that one sale and understandably, Mm -hmm. you know, that they, they, they want it to make it happen. But as you grow and develop, and if you're serious about making this a long-term thing, which honestly, if you're starting, you should be. Otherwise, don't bother because um, mm-hmm. it's going to take you years to build up a successful business. So you need to be in it for the long haul. But as you said, thinking yep. about it as a business, as its own entity and that opportunities, good opportunities um, will come along that you can leverage to build your brand and build brand awareness. And, you know, some of them will be awesome opportunities that will give you a lot of um, kudos and, will, you know, will end up in a lot of sales over the long run. Some of them right. might not. And, you know, you won't know that necessarily straight away. Uh, a big one that I usually avoid is the whole uh, people asking for free stuff for charity auctions and things like that. Um, that <laughs> seems to be a bit of a plague in the handmade community. And, you know, often it's not worth it. Yeah. So you have to be very selective with those sorts of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had experience mm-hmm. with that as well. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so, you know, when people start out, I think they sometimes will jump on any opportunity that comes along and they might get burnt and then be a bit more hesitant in future. But just, just you know, think about it and think about what, whenever an opportunity presents itself, what are the potential outcomes of that opportunity mm-hmm. and is it is it the right opportunity for you? Right. Yeah, it's just it's just like, you know, dating. What's Mr. Right versus Mr. Right now? <laughs> you know, we want to have those those Mr. Right moments. Um, it's not all about like instant gratification. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so just back kind of cycling back to your business. Um, what were some of the kind of outcomes that happened after some of these opportunities? Some of them were very profitable and we can associate, we know for sure this, these profits came from these experiences. Um, probably the top two would be the Today Show and the Better Homes and Gardens uh, ran a feature. It was like a whole spread of Etsy sellers um, in one of their magazines. And I think it was in, it wasn't like a holiday issue, but it was like in the season of the holidays, which of course is great timing when people are thinking about gifts. And then the Today Show thing was 
sort of almost bad timing in the sense that it was 10 days before Christmas. Oh, wow. Um, So that was, both of those were crazy. The thing is, magazines are awesome because it's not all at once. You know, people get their magazines on different days. If they're subscribers, not every single person gets it on the exact same day. People sort of pour over magazines over the course of weeks or a month. Um, So you're not getting like an onslaught of orders like all at once from a magazine, which is actually really nice. You're getting them sort of, you know, (laughs) distributed over time. Yes. Um, And I I remember I had orders from that for a good few months after. And then, of course, you know, even beyond that, but like the bulk of it was like over the course of like three months. Then with the Today Show, it was like within 80 minutes, I was like, I can't make any more of these. I know you all want them by Christmas. (laughs) And that's only like 10 days from now. And then you subtract the weekends for like shipping and stuff. And I really can't physically make any more of these. So I was back ordering them and it was, it was just chaos, total craziness. I had them, (laughs) I put up a thing, changed out all the like front images to say like, you can't get this by Christmas, but we could do Valentine's day and people were still ordering them. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, stuff like that's crazy because that's live TV. Everyone, if you're going to see it, you're going to see it at that time. (laughs) And then it sort of, I don't know if you guys have shows like you probably do morning shows, but they go across the time zones. So this one, it went live in New York and then it played again, you know, central time and then it played again. (laughs) So it was like, you know, by the time it showed up in California, I couldn't even make any (laughs) more, but you know, it was crazy, but it's, you know, stuff like that is really fun. Yeah. That's so exhilarating. (laughs) Of course you can't sustain that forever. Like you can't have a business that's like that every day, but once in a while, that's just plain (laughs) awesome. Um, (laughs) but you know, that Christmas was like, I was dead by the time Christmas came around. (laughs) Just like, sorry guys, I have to sleep now. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, it's fun. Yeah. But, I mean, that's amazing exposure. And, I mean, even now, that's that was, like, years ago. People still ask me about it. It's just fun to have that in your little arsenal of experiences mm-hmm. to talk about. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I encourage everybody to <laughs> follow Danielle's tips <laughs> from this episode. And, um, and, you know, be aware of the possibility that these things might come your way um, and fall on your lap, even without necessarily searching for them. Because I think a lot of people yeah. always think, oh, PR, I have to, I have to chase it. And yeah, if you, you know, if you want to, if you want a long reaching kind of wide PR strategy, you do have to work for it. But sometimes they come to you. Yes. A lot of times, probably mm. more often than people care to believe. Mm. And it's a pretty awesome experience if you're ready for it. <laughs> Right. You want to be able to take advantage of it. Basically, when it comes up, you don't want to have to turn it down because you didn't know or you don't have what they need. And yeah, absolutely. you want to be prepared ahead of time. So, Danielle, do you have any final tips for our listeners just about being prepared, but just in general about, you know, having an awesome Etsy shop? Well, I think the the best thing I can say about Etsy is encourage people to like really pay attention to what Etsy's doing, what they're interested in, because like we were saying, just like media outlets need content 
so does Etsy. <laughs> like, you yes. can actually just get an Etsy feature, and that's a game changer. You know, that could be a game changer. So if you can sort of, like, just pay attention to what Etsy's into, you can sort of, you know, make make little changes to your shop that make it more likely that they'll see it or use it or pick it up to feature. Mm-hmm. And then just constant, like, just understanding the unique power that is inside of Etsy and leveraging that for your own brand and business, both on Etsy and off Etsy. I think that's my my biggest tip because I don't <laughs> think anybody should just be an Etsy seller. I think we are business mm-hmm. owners who use Etsy. And that's what I want people, I want to encourage people to see themselves that way and then live up to that by using Etsy for their benefit, not just selling on Etsy. Absolutely. That's brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us and your experience on the show. Where can people find more about you and learn more of what you have to teach? Um, People can find me at MerriweatherCouncil.com, which is (laughs) M-E-R-R-I-W-E-A-T-H-E-R Council.com. We'll and put, we'll put a link in the show my, notes. Yes. <laughs> and also on my podcast, the Merryweather Council podcast, and at merryweathercouncilblog.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Before you go, remember, if you want to learn how to wholesale, head on over to wholesalenowhow.com, get your free guide, 10 Steps to Wholesale Readiness, and find out more about what the course can offer you to help you figure out exactly the steps you need to take to successfully sell your creative creations to retail shops around your country, potentially even around the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please do make sure to subscribe and shoot us a rating and a review. It helps other people to find and learn more about the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Crane Thrive podcast. I'm Jess Van Den and goodbye for now.